on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. So modern shoes, the way they're structured, they unfortunately, they take away, they steal some of the natural function of our foot. Now, as much as they help with performance, they also steal that, that function away, you know, the way our foot is supposed to act naturally. So it's this tip and scale. It's like how much we want to tip it. If we tip too far, Welcome to In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, my name is Nick Sinkowitz. I'm a physical therapist and strength and conditioning coach. I work at Proform Physical Therapy in Salisbury, Massachusetts. It's a little bit north of Boston. Today, I'm going to be discussing with you the secret to optimal recovery, a foot fetish. I know the title sounds a little kinky, but really it's just going to be talking about how we live in a mismatched world with regard to our feet. So in order to optimally recover our bodies, we need to really, really develop this unique relationship with our feet. All right, so we're going to be talking about how to restore a healthy relationship and to maximize rest and recovery. All right, so first, just breeze through the objectives there. So first, I want to talk about myself a little bit, my background, and how I got into this, uh, you know, the situation where I developed this keen interest in treating, um, you know, foot-related issues and trying to optimize performance as it relates to the feet. So I was a college basketball player, and, you know, my feet and ankles were awful. I had pain all the time. I had, you know, plantar fasciopathy on and off, metatarsalis, so just pain in the ball of the foot ankle sprains all the time. So I'd get my ankles taped all the time. And my dad, who was a professional player, actually dealt with a lot of ankle sprains as well. So I just kind of tossed it up to genetics, you know, just said it was the hand I was dealt, you know, my, my ankle got glass ankles. And, you know, as I, once I became a physical therapist, I started to learn more and more. And then I started to try all this stuff out of myself um, with regard to changing footwear and, and really trying to strengthen specifically my feet and mobilize my feet and get them moving again. And it, it was a game changer for me. So I was like, man, this this has to be, you know, involved in everybody's care. So that's where I developed that that keen interest in that area. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. All right, so recovery slide. So there's this big kick with a lot of these footwear industries, um, pun intended on the kick, by the way, but they're making these slides or, you know, sandals for quote unquote recovery. And the whole concept is, okay, after your sport um, or your recreational activity, you, you put these puppies on, they're nice and soft. It's like, it's like walking on a cloud. So it's supposed to kickstart that recovery for you. Well, this is really, really well-intentioned, right? But it's kind of backwards because we're just putting our foot back into something that's really soft and cushy and really just propping it back up and taking some function away from the feet. So we're trying, we're trying really hard, but I know that we can do better. All right, and that's what, what we're gonna get into. So let's first talk about recovery. This is from Oxford Languages, both definitions. This is the action or process of regaining possession or control of something stolen or lost. All right, so modern shoes, the way they're structured, they unfortunately, they take away, they steal some of the natural function of our foot. Now, as much as they help with performance, they also steal that, that function away, you know, the way our foot is supposed to act naturally. So. It's this tip and scale. It's like how much we want to tip it. If we tip too far, it's not very good. We got to stay balanced to some extent. 
Okay, so it's not to say shoes need to go, but we need to recognize this and we need to do some work to offset the negative effects. All right, and then the other definition is the return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. Right, so this recovery in essence comes down to optimizing controllable factors versus uncontrollable. All right. Now, there's a lot of factors with regard to recovery, but foot health and the footwear we choose, they're extremely controllable. If it comes down to, I just have to implement the daily foot routine and then I can change, you know, some of my footwear, maybe all of it depends on the person, you know, that is very, very easily manipulated. All right. So as athletes, everyday exercisers, or just anyone trying to optimize health and recovery, we need to consider the feet. All right. It must be a consideration. All right, so are, are our feet that important? Well, you can see here by the list, yes, they are, right? They're the foundation for your whole body. They're adaptable and resilient, right? They evolved this way for a reason. So they have the capacity to be a rigid lever and a mobile shock absorber, which is really cool, right? They are a primary interaction with the environment along with our hands. They help to dictate our posture up the chain, right? They allow us to perform at a certain level. And there's also some cool research on quality of life as it relates to grip strength. And the recent research is showing us that weak feet are associated with weak grip, right? So you can kind of extrapolate that that, that may be an indication there, all right? But you look at all these roles, these functions, that's a lot to recover from, all right? So we've got to give them a little extra TLC, all right? The current societal representation of feet is just skewed. We, as a healthcare system, you know, as, as uh, sports and athletics, a lot of times we just view the foot as being weak and fragile. It's a fragile part of the body, right? We got to protect it because it's weak. It's going to get hurt if we don't protect it, right? We're, it's just assumed that it needs support and assistance for, for all these jobs. This is just false, right? Our feet evolved this way to be adaptable, you know, this intricate structure, uh, you know, over the last two to three million years. So it's, it's this way for a reason, right? And we just try to you know, cushion it up or support it with orthotics and shoe, you know, that the shoe technology that has, has progressed in, in recent decades, but there's this mismatch there because our feet have still not, you know, evolved any farther. They haven't changed in their structure in the last 100 years, but we have all these other things that we're adding to it that have changed. So we need to keep that in mind and, and respect that. So we need to reframe the feet. And this is where we as coaches, trainers, therapists, anybody that's, that's, that's here, reframe the feet for, for your athletes, your patients, your clients, right? If people think of their feet as being weak and fragile, we need to reframe that for them. We need to say, you know what? Your feet are really adaptable. They can get stronger. It just takes some time. That's, we need to change our mind, mindset. Big thing, shoes devalue over time. We know this, right? There's a certain amount of mileage on shoes, but our feet don't. They can actually get stronger, right? If they get hurt, they heal themselves. It's really cool. The rest of your body does too, but specifically with the feet, we just tend to say, oh, my feet hurt. I'm just going to throw this cushion on it, or I'm going to throw this orthotic in it to support that. And then we just leave it there. You know, next thing you know, you need more support. You need more, more cushion. All right. So we need to break away from this desire for instant gratification. It will take some time, but this starts with us as the coaches, trainers, therapists, right? We can be there coaching this up, helping people get, get a, you know, not only a healthy, more healthy relationship with their feet, but to implement these foot care routines and, and pick better footwear. So this is the essence of the presentation. Adopt a foot fetish. Fall in love with your own feet, right? Each, each one of your feet has 33 joints. Where there is a joint, there should be movement, all right? So in, in our modern world, we're on hard surfaces or flat surfaces 99% of the time. So this just isn't moving those joints. Those joints used to be on all this variable terrain, 
sand, dirt, rocks, everything, and your joints would naturally move. We're not getting that anymore, but we still have 33 joints. They didn't go anywhere, right? We haven't just evolved to one joint, we still have 33. So we need to give a little extra love to those feet to mobilize those joints, all right? Because the surface isn't doing it for us like it used to. So I wanna talk a little bit about the, the impact of modern footwear. Not trying to go at any one particular company or, or brand here, but this is just modern footwear, conventional footwear as a whole. These are the, the aspects that tend to have negative impacts on the body and the kinetic chain of the body, right? And these are what we're gonna just kind of breeze through, talk a little bit about. All right, so we'll go through those kind of one by one here. All right, the heel toe drops the first one. Now this is big because it puts your body on a downward slope. Right, so this puts your center of mass forward, which now your body is kind of falling forward. And a lot of people talk about how, oh, running is just controlled falling forward. Well, not really, but if you're running in shoes with a really steep drop, right, say 10, 12 millimeters, that's kind of small, but at the same time, my brain perceives that, yeah, now I'm controlling myself from falling forward because my center of mass is forward. I'm basically trying to chase my center of mass. So if we're running on that all the time, you know, and then afterwards we're in work, in, in that kind of a drop. And then, you know, we're doing yard work in that kind of a drop. My body's on this downward slope. It's living on a downward slope, but your your foot and body function best on, you know, when, when that's flat. It can function downward, it can function upward, but it shouldn't be there all the time, 24 seven, okay? This also kind of pre-shortens your calf and Achilles. So it shortens those up, decreases the blood flow to those tissues because it's like a sponge. They start to squeeze and they're losing adequate blood flow. So if you want to talk about, you know, as, its role in Achilles injuries, Achilles tendinopathy, those kinds of things, there's there's a huge indication there. And we're starting to see that research come out. So as you're downhill, if you're driving a car downhill, and that's my picture here, if you're driving a car downhill, probably not on the gas, some people might be, but for the most part, you're driving a car, you're probably slightly hitting the brakes, right? So we're, we're just foot's close to the brake because we're ready to brake as we're gaining momentum. Same thing if you're in this heel to toe drop, my body's subconsciously hitting the brakes. So I'm trying to move forward but I'm hitting the brakes at the same time. So I'm hitting the accelerator and the brake at the same time. You know your car is not gonna last very long if you do that for a long time in the car. So we don't wanna be doing that with the body either, all right? So this is just another picture. You got, you know, my foot's on a slant board there. So that's the equivalent of 10 millimeters of a drop. So you can see it's pretty significant. I mean, even the lighting in the picture changed, the, the camera's in the same place. So the difference is very small and subtle but this can be profound when now you're wearing that for, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, over and over and over. And like I mentioned, could be a huge, huge factor for Achilles injuries. They've gone up exponentially. All right, narrow toe box. So human foot should be widest from tip of big toe to tip of little toe. But if you look at most shoes, they're widest at the base of the toes. All right, this is super, super important because these toes need to splay out on the ground to absorb shock. If we don't get that splay, shock's gotta go somewhere. Does the shoe take some of it, modern shoes? Absolutely. But like I said, they devalue over time. So it's ability to absorb, or absorb that shock goes down and they're not letting your toes open up so we get the shock elsewhere, right? If my toes can't open up, next joint up, ankle, take a little more shock. Next joint up, knee, take a little more shock, right? And so on, all the way even up to the back. So that's a huge, huge factor for a lot of people. Now, as it relates to sports performance, Narrow could help in terms of cutting, things like that. So again, tip and scale, which way do we want to tip it, right? We have to find this balance. But, you know, we, we see these shoes really, really getting more and more narrow at the tip. And that's super, super important. Just jams those toes inward, causes causes issues with blood flow to the foot, 
as well as even hygiene. So you talk about like athlete's foot, toenail infections. I actually had a fungal infection on this big toe in this picture. Don't mind that. All right, this is one of my favorite studies a few years ago. So it just basically showed they took the big toes of um, people's feet and they took an index finger on the researcher and just moved the toe inward towards the other toes. And it restricted the blood flow to the lateral plantar artery by 22.2%. That is insane that the power of just one finger could re reduce the blood flow, right? And that artery is bringing the blood to your plantar fascia, you know, all these muscles underneath the foot. So when we talk about plantar fasciopathy, plantar fasciitis, as people like to call it, that is a blood flow issue. In essence, our plantar fascia is not getting adequate blood flow. So are your shoes playing a role? Absolutely. Are they causing it? No, there's not just one factor to that, but... Is it, is it a factor that we can control? For sure, absolutely. So even your socks matter, right? Not saying everyone needs to go around wearing toe socks, but consider it, it's a factor. Should we have socks on all the time? Probably not. All right, they also have rigid soles, most of these shoes. Okay, so they're, they're referred to as cushion rigidity, right? It's cushion, but it's stiff. Okay, so it's soft, but it doesn't bend. Again, 33 joints in the foot, joints are meant to move. Some more than others, but nonetheless, if there's a joint, there should be some level of movement, right? And these rigid soles really mute the nerve endings in the foot. So you have this sensory disconnect from the environment. There's 200,000 plus nerve endings in each foot. And that is, you know, you're, you're basically hitting the mute button on those, but you're literally just stripping the, that sensory in, input from them, okay? And and then your, your brain can kind of get, it can get frustrated and get scared because it's like, I don't, have enough information. I don't have the information I'm used to, right? So this rigid sole also creates a ledge. This is huge for ankle sprains. This is what I dealt with all the time. So this rigid sole is less adaptable. Your foot is adaptable. Again, we need shoes for sports, but th this just, you know, respect the fact that the shoe is less adaptable. We need to create some, some of that adaptability for sure. So can we find a happy medium? So this is a video just kind of showing it just rolls real hard, boom. So once you're on that ledge, there's probably no coming back versus you're in the other shoe, you have a good chance of rolling back if you have the strength and the, you know, the, the motor control and all that kind of stuff. So here's just the top view. You can just see it's herky-jerky, okay? So that herky-jerkiness in, in sport, right, is gonna be a factor. If I get to that point and I can't, I don't have the strength or the coordination or, you know, even the control to come back, I'm going. Versus the other one, it might, may, maybe not, it's not as bad, or I can actually, you know, come back to it. All right. So the thick cushion soles kind of goes with the, the rigid, but this cushion, it, it creates a problem, even though it feels really good, because now the brain assumes that the ground we're on is soft, even though we're playing on a firm surface, or we're doing any activity on it, or I'm working on a firm surface. It doesn't have to be just athletes. So you want to be nice to your brain, right? We don't want it to be thinking we're on. On, on pillows all day, you know, all day, every day. So I have a saying soft ground equals hard foot, hard ground equals soft foot. All that means is if you're on soft terrain, your foot is going to stiffen up. Think about being at the beach. If you go on the soft sand, your foot, your foot, your body kind of gets really stiff. You're really stiff walking around. Once you get on the hard pack sand, you're like, oh, I'm walking normal again. Okay. So that's what's happening. If you're on soft terrain, your foot stiffens up to create the stability. If you're on hard terrain, your foot loosens up right? Because there's stability underneath you. I need to absorb some of that, that stiffness. Okay. And like I said before, there can be reduced sensory information from all this cushion, which is going to stress your brain out a little bit. We don't want that either. All right. So here's another video you can see on the pad, the blue pad, the Rx pad, 
the foot just rolls out right at that last part. On the other side, it just kind of stays a little upright. So you can see how it's angled outward. So there's some other impacts that we, we always want to consider um, with some of the shoes that we see in the, you know, our modern society. Stiff heel counter, basically that's just the back of the shoe. And, you know, if you squeeze the back, a lot of times it's like hard plastic. You can't actually squeeze it. The, the goal of that for a lot of the shoes is to not only suction your heel in, but not let your heel move, which is kind of silly because the heel needs to move. That's how when you're walking, right, the heel hits first and that initiates the cascade of events that need to occur for us to walk efficiently and optimally. Now, if we have a stiff heel counter, that's impeded right away. Is it completely impeded? No, it's not. Most heel counters won't completely, you know, um, stabilize that. Um, that would need to be like a cast or something, but it's going to reduce the movement to some extent. Okay, so we lose some of that initial shock absorption with regard to walking. Now, there's some cool research that talks about the pain threshold at the heel, um, and it's a protective mechanism. That threshold is actually surpassed once we go beyond the forces of that are typical of walking. So once we get into running, now we've surpassed that pain threshold. So now if we run with a heel strike, we know that that's not natural for us because the pain threshold has been surpassed. But if we, you know, block that, that heel and cushion that heel and really, really, you know, pad it up, then you can bypass that protecting mechanism. So we're literally just limiting our body's natural protection by just bypassing that system. Okay. So that's, you know, a factor as well. But if you're playing, you know, or, or doing an activity that has a lot of jumping, you might need some of that cushion, right? To, to so add a little extra, you know, cushion or support in that type of activity, but outside of sport, we probably shouldn't be in that thick cushion. Okay. Toe springs in the front of the shoes. You see most shoes are kind of curved up in the front. That's to assist with that. That really started with running shoes and the running boom going back to the seventies. They started springing these toes up to help people kind of roll through those toes. Well, a lot of that has to do with actually people not running very efficiently, but that jams your toes upward. So it limits our motion, causes issues to the toes, lack of blood flow, all that kind of stuff. But it puts more pressure on the ball of your foot too. So now we run into issues with that, Callus, or calluses, blisters, things like that, that, you know, in areas we don't necessarily want. Okay, so that can cause pressure points, things like that. It may also limit performance in that we need some of that toe to come down and toe to spring back up into extension. So it goes into flexion and pushes from flexion into extension, right? If we're already in extension, we, we don't have that mechanism, all right? And then the last thing is, is there's a boat-like concavity or concavity, however people say that, of the sole, okay? And it, it just, the sole kind of goes like this. So the middle of your foot sinks down, okay? So my, my middle, second, third, fourth metatarsals and toes sink in like that. And the first and fifth toes are just kind of elevated from that. Um, and this really puts a lot of pressure, again, pressure points at those second, third, fourth, talking about aromas, things like that, that is a huge factor for, for that component. Okay, so clearly shoes are the worst, we're all screwed, right? That's what I just told you, no, just kidding. Don't fret, it's okay. Again, human body pain injuries, it's super complex. We can't just blame all this, oh my, sh my shoes are causing this? No, right, that's not what I'm saying. The shoes are, a are playing a role though, they're a factor. As to how much, who knows? 25%, 50%, is it 1%? Maybe. But if you can control that 1% by just swiping your credit card on a new pair of shoes, I mean, that's a lot easier than saying, okay, you got to do this exercise, three sets, three times a day, right? That 
can be a lot of work over time, right? Changing the shoes or having variety of shoes for different purposes can be a huge game changer. So we have to look at these controllable versus uncontrollable factors. All right, foot footwear and foot hygiene, two very controllable factors. And that's really the, the, you know, the goal of this presentation is to get you thinking about, okay, can I implement a daily foot care routine? And can I alter my footwear to some extent? Doesn't mean I have to go barefoot everywhere, but can I make changes to my footwear that kind of move me closer? I'm going to talk about the, the footwear spectrum in a little bit, but move me closer to a little bit more, you know, of a natural um, option for certain instances. And then maybe I keep my, you know, performance shoes for when I'm doing that activity. Okay. So that's, that's what we want to be thinking of. And again, this is where we as coaches, trainers, therapists, everybody here can be involved. We can have this conversation with people. Okay. Because no matter what people are doing, their footwear is likely impeding their, their ability to fully recover. All right. So we want to restore a healthy relationship, right? Develop that foot fetish. I know it sounds, it sounds weird, but if you, if you fall in love with your own feet, right, you are going to take care of them and you will, you, you know, you will be better off for it for sure. Okay, so step one, you want to restore barefoot tolerance and mobility. There are so many people out there that cannot tolerate being barefoot. It is our natural form. Okay, we we were meant to be barefoot. Should you be able to tolerate barefoot on the hot blacktop in a summer day? No, probably not. Okay, but that's that. You don't need that, right? But should you be able to tolerate barefoot around the house, in the yard for short durations? You know, even on you know certain uneven surfaces, absolutely on the hard sand, on the soft sand, you should be able to, we all should be able to, you know, there aren't cer certain instances that people might not be able to, um, but we should be able to get back there. Okay. Or at least get closer to that, right? We shouldn't be in shoes all the time, 24 seven. We've kind of fallen into this healthcare system where people start snowballing down this, this hill and they get to a point where practitioners just say, you know what, just keep these cushion shoes on. And once you get in the house, put these cushion slippers on. And then, right, so now we're just precipitating the issue over and over and over, okay? So that's number one. Number two, we want to implement a daily foot care routine. I tell people this all the time. It's just like brushing your teeth for your feet, okay? So we want to implement this. If we are a just a person living in the modern world, unless you're living up in the, the country and you don't have shoes and you're just out in the yard barefoot, then don't worry about this. But if you live in the modern world and you either go to work, you play a sports, um, you have a recreational activity to do, you spin, whatever you do, that shoe is probably not 100% optimal for your foot, okay? So we need to offset that to some extent. And that's where we put bring in the daily foot care routine, okay? So step three, we wanna consider moving more toward that barefoot end of the footwear spectrum. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But for athletes in particular, and, and even people going to work, you want to think about your in-between footwear, okay? This is a big thing. We're not necessarily going to change if you're a basketball player, you're going to change your basketball shoes or your you know, football, soccer, baseball, you've got cleats. Um, you're not going to change your cleats, right? You still need those for performance, but what are we in afterwards? I was a basketball player. We, we as hoopers, we love to wear our basketball shoes and then throw on our old pair of basketball shoes afterwards. And then we were running around the yard or whatever in basketball shoes. And then we went to school in basketball shoes. And then so we're in basketball shoes all the time. And there are negative aspects there that we want to consider. So if we can find better footwear for in between, outside of practices and games, fantastic. Same thing with work. If you're at work for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, 
you should be in pretty good footwork since a long time of being that. Okay, so we want to consider all those things. And then also you want to continue to challenge your feet and your body regularly throughout the lifespan. So strength training, right? If you can, if you are in a facility or a place where you can strength train or even at home barefoot safely, I highly recommend it because it's going to help strengthen those feet while you do your, your full body exercises. All right, so become barefoot strong. Restore that tolerance. Expose your feet to a variety of terrains. Yeah, you know, a lot of people toss that around right now. It's a, it's a hot topic, vitamin T, vitamin texture, right? It, it's, it's, very, it's very true. You need to expose your feet to different textures, different temperatures, terrains, right? You're waking up those nerve endings. You're mobilizing those joints naturally. So if you can make that part of your, your footwear, um, your, your um, daily foot routine, it's going to do you wonders, right? And it doesn't have to be your middle of the winter storm. I got to get my, my, my variable terrain in. You don't have to do that. Okay. But in the summer, great time to do it. Expose those bare feet to variety of terrains, you know, different textures, different surfaces and mobilize those feet without even thinking about it. Right. If you struggle, start small. And if it hurts, it's, it's supposed to hurt at first, especially if we haven't been barefoot in a while. Right. When we were all kids, we're running around barefoot without thinking about it. But now it's like, ooh, you put your foot on the pavement. It's like, ah, oh, that's hot. It hurts. It's tender. It's right. So we'll get past that again. You can restore that ability. It just takes some time. All right. Here's our daily foot um, foot hygiene routine. Gonna go over that with you right now. We're gonna step away from the video. All right. All right. So I wanted to step away from the computer to go over the daily foot hygiene routine. All right. So this is just an example of one. You can implement any exercises that work the feet start to get those muscles moving, you know, I'm firing a little bit, get blood flowing. First thing, lacrosse ball, great tool. 33 joints in the foot, like we've talked about before. We want to mobilize those joints. The lacrosse ball does a great job of that. So take the lacrosse ball, you want to roll the lacrosse ball from basically the pad of the foot at the ball right to the base of the heel, right? We're not going to necessarily go on the bones. We're just going to go kind of in between right there on the arch. So the ball on the ground, okay, we start from that, that front position and we go up and down, we're thinking about, you know, corridors or, or columns here. And we're going across the foot, thinking about those columns. All right, and then you wanna also do side to side as well. So now we're thinking rows and they're going all the way to the heel back. All right, and you can spend as much time as you want there. And then you also want to find some pressure points that feel a little tender all right so if you find one you know right right there for me okay and then what we want to do is we want to put a little pressure downward so I'm pressing now actively into the ball and I'm just going to hold that for about 30 seconds you know so we want to hold into those pressures those are those those spots that probably needed a little bit more than some of the others okay so that's rolling out with the cross ball mobilizing those joints all right then with the foot we want to do a couple different stretches so first we want to stretch the bottom of the big toe. Okay. So when we're doing that, we're kind of in that calf stretch or lunge position here. And I'm kind of driving that heel forward to bend those toes. You can see how my toe is, is bent there. And then what I want to do there is I can get into the stretch and just mobilize the joints. So I can go back and forth. Okay. And then even in that stretch position, you can kind of rock side to side. So I'm really rocking my body to create that mobilization at the toes. And then you can even do circles, okay? Circles both ways, all right? And then we do the same thing the other way. So now I wanna stretch the top of the toes. So now I go into it this way and you can even, you know, kneel on the ground and, and, and kind of sit back 
but you can do this standing really easily. And then same thing, getting the stretching, I'm feeling it all up the front of the leg, okay? And then same idea, rock, you know, mobilize the joints there, side to side, right? So we're mobilizing, same thing, circles again, circles both ways, okay? So that's gonna stretch a lot of those tissues in the foot. All right, then we wanna get the, the muscles firing in that foot. So one of the best ways to do that is just splay the toes. So just like my fingers kind of splay open, we're gonna splay the toes. So this one, we just, you can either weight bear through that or start unweight, unweighted and just open up and relax. Open up, so we're trying to just spread the toes as much as you can and relax, okay? And unweighted is typically a little bit easier for people to do this. And then you can kind of go to more of a loaded position and spread and place down. Spread and place down. Okay, so we're opening up those toes. You might get some muscle cramps, that's okay. That's what we want. And then to get the, the muscles firing a little bit more, you can then do toe waves or toe yoga. So with my foot, you know, firmly positioned on the ground, I got the ball of my big toe is staying down, the base of the fifth toe staying down and my heel staying down. I'm gonna press my outside four toes and try to lift my big toe without that ball of the foot rolling up. Okay, so the big toe lifts. And then I drive my big toe and try to lift the other toes without the base of the fifth toe coming down. Okay, and the more you do it, the more you'll be able to lift. When you first try it, all the toes might go crazy, or if I can lift the toe, it won't go very high. We gotta release some of those tissues that are tight and keeping it from moving. So we wanna do this all the time, right? You definitely wanna do it daily, but if you gotta at first do it multiple times a day, you can do this exercise with shoes on. You can do it in your shoes, right? You can lift those toes. You can try to, depending on the shoes, you can try to splay the toes, but like we talked about with the shoes, some of those shoes are gonna be a little bit more narrow and restricted at the toe box. So you might not be able to splay. If you have a pair of shoes for your in-between footwear that you can splay a little bit more, that's a good thing to practice. Now with the splaying too, a lot of people will use toe spacers. Those are totally fine. But I always recommend with toe spacers, you wanna use those when you're moving around. So don't just, a lot of people will put them on and just kinda of like sit on the couch or go to bed. Well, we're not really mobilizing the joints when we do that. And you actually might be you know, impeding some blood flow long-term if you just have them on and are stationary. So I would recommend if you're gonna put them on, put them on and move. So if you're doing some chores around the house, you know, or maybe you're um, you know, just, just hanging out barefoot in the yard, right? Put on some toe spacers. So those are times where you could use them um, to your advantage, but I wouldn't necessarily just put them on and, and leave them on, right? Like if you're sitting at your desk or something. If you're sitting at your desk and, and mobilizing your feet underneath, that's fine too. All right, so I always recommend that people add some form of single leg balance to their daily foot hygiene routine, okay? So that could be as simple as, I'm standing on a single leg, I'm brushing my teeth, doing dishes, anything like that, just gradually increasing the amount of time, right? Making sure I got that nice foot tripod on the ground. I'm not rolling off to the outside or collapsing way in in the middle, right? We wanna be somewhere in the middle and have good contact between big toe, fifth toe, and heel, okay? So simple as that, or you can make it a little bit more fun and dynamic. You can get yourself a little balance beam. Got this idea from the Foot Collective a few years ago. So you can just go to Home Depot, Lowe's, get some PVC pipe, or you can get some, some metal beam, right? And you can just practice walking and the beam's not because it really, really spreads your foot, mobilizes those joints, gets you moving all different ways, warms the hips up, warms the core up, right? So you can walk this way, you can walk backwards, right? You can try to stand sideways on it, okay? Lose your balance, fall right off inch or two off the ground, right? So you're not that high up. So you just kind of play around, 
You can go here, you can kind of work on single leg squats, do transitions, all that kind of stuff, okay? So that's the balance beam, right? Nice fun tool, real dynamic. Or we love this one here, Proform. So this is a steel mace, but you can use a sledgehammer at home. And this is a nice way to get your single leg balance, knees slightly bent, hips back a little bit, and you can create perturbations on your body, right? You can swing it big and really challenge that foot. You swing it small, right? It's scalable. You can swing forward and back, make you move kind of to the heel, to the, to the toes, heel to the toes, right? And then you can even mix in some diagonals, right? And you can take the sledgehammer and kind of go around your body, all that kind of stuff. So you can really have some fun with that too. So a sledgehammer would be really easy to use, the balance beam, or you just go classic single leg stance. All right, here's a good post foot care routine that we can go over, right? After you take your shoes off, after sport, work, just anytime you've had shoes on, this is something you can do to help to offset some of that, right? So if you consider, you know, like a plus one, minus one system, we wanna do this to, to be the, the plus one to cancel out that minus one, all right? So. So after you take your shoes off, you're gonna to to take your fingers, you're gonna to wanna to go in between each toe, okay? And then you're gonna to wanna to spread those toes, spread the front of the foot, and then you can just kind of mobilize the foot. And it doesn't matter which way you go, just kind of do whatever feels right. Just kind of up and down, side to side, circles, right? And then most people are also gonna choose that are, <coughs> that are too short for their foot. And too tight, so we want to decompress the toes. To do that, you just take a hold of one toe, and you just kind of pull. Take the next toe, just pull out, and you may get some cracks and pops, and that's okay. You may even be warranted with this. Good. Big toe, just pull. All right, so there's a simple routine that you can implement every time you take your shoes off. It would take you all of, you know, 30 seconds to a minute on each foot, right? So you got, everyone's got that time. You may even enjoy it, right? It's gonna feel good, so definitely something you can do. All right, so this is that continuum I was talking about, the barefoot footwear, right? And this is, this is I, I you know, I spent hard hours trying to make this footwear continuum. Just kidding. All right, so one side, we got the moon boots, right? So that's the shoe with all the cushions, super rigid, stiff, can't move in it, right? It's created, it's doing everything for your foot. And then on the other side, we got barefoot, right? You don't have to be at the moon boot side. You don't have to be at the barefoot side. Majority of our modern shoes are somewhere closer to that moon boot side right? They're not close enough to the barefoot side. We have a boom of a lot of these companies creating these barefoot minimalist shoes, which is awesome. But if you've been closer to the moon boots, it doesn't mean you can go right to this minimalist shoe, okay? We got to take our time. We just have to think about moving closer to that way. Think of it as the spectrum or continuum. We're not just going from one side to the other. We're fluidly moving across. So if we're in this kind of red area where the majority of modern shoes are right now, say we're right in the middle of that, maybe we want to get farther to the right side of that, right? We want to get closer to that middle of the spectrum, not necessarily just blow it out of the water and go the other way. Because you're actually going to, you know, pose some issues that way if you do it that way, just like anything else. No one walks into the gym first time ever not lifting weights so like, oh, that person over there is bench pressing 225. I'm going to do that too. I've never bench pressed before, right? That's just silly. We all know that that's a recipe for disaster. Same idea. We shouldn't be in moon boots and say, oh, ditch my moon boots going barefoot because Nick said so, right? Not a good idea either. So you want to progress slowly, okay? So this is where we, we focus on the in-between, right? The in-between shoes that I was talking about, the in-between footwear, okay? More human footwear, so closer to the barefoot in the spectrum for the in-between. 
Now, we are going to be closer to moon boots for our, for athletic footwear. That's okay, right? Some athletic footwear more than others. Okay, it's not, you know, there's no perfect science to this. So we want to be thinking about this. And can we be balanced? Can I have a shoe that's a little bit closer to the barefoot side for majority of my day? And then the other one that's there. So if I'm, you know, kind of 70% or 75% on one side and the other shoe 75%, I kind of cancel out in the middle, right? That's kind of a good way to think about it. So that's what we want to be thinking about with footwear. And again, coaches, trainers, therapists have this conversation, right? This is our job. This can be where we can make a huge, huge impact without, you know, a lot of times the athlete or client even noticing or realizing, right? They just think it's part of it, right? Okay. So this is a low hanging fruit. Um, some cool studies on this stuff coming out in recent years, but wearing minimalist shoes shown to increase the strength of your small muscles in the feet by 60% alone. That was the only change. So imagine if now you add that to some, you know, barefoot training, some weightlifting barefoot, you know, squatting, deadlifting barefoot, right? That's only going to help. Okay. So it can be huge, can make a huge impact. Right? You want to challenge yourself regularly. So try new activities, try new things, right? We need to play with our bodies. Okay. Todd Hargrove talks a lot about this playing with your movement, right? Exploring things. We all did it as children. We need to do it more as adults too. The more intelligent the animal, the more it plays. But as adults in our society, we tend to stop. Okay. So you need to play around with your movement. And when you play around with your movement, that's a good time to try barefoot if it's safe, right? You've never done, you know, something like rock climbing, right? Maybe you try rock climbing, you know, they might not let you do it barefoot if you go to a facility, but nonetheless, um, you're trying new things, you're, you're challenging your body differently and you're trying to barefoot if it's okay, all right? Strength training needs to be implemented to some extent for everyone, okay? And if it's safe, try barefoot. And you just wanna pick activities you enjoy because you know you'll st stick with them. So, supercharge or recovery, all right? We need to recover from the negative effects of our shoes just as much as we're recovering our body from sport and exercise and any other activities we do, right? We have a long week, we know we need to recharge our body, right? Our feet are being crammed in these shoes. Our feet need to recover from the shoes, all right? And that's what we need to do with the foot care routine and that, you know, kind of spectrum of footwear changes, all right? So this is a balancing act. We need to appreciate that. Don't let the scale tip too far one way for too long, right? We need to balance it out as time goes on, okay? Some weeks, you might be a little more this way. The other week, you're this way, right? Again, it's, it's, it's the long game. Okay, we're not changing this tomorrow and we're not, you know, making these changes right away. It's it's the long game. All right. And we emphasize areas of overuse all the time in recovery for, for sports. Just think about baseball, right? We got pitchers, okay? We're doing our shoulder recovery, right? We do it in all these sports. How come we don't respect the feet in all the sports? In every sport for the most part, in shoes, you know, except for some like swimming, but we're not respecting that as being a part of overuse like the shoulders right it's overuse to a different extent but like i said we need to recover from the footwear so again coaches therapists you know trainers working with athletes or anybody we need to have this footwear conversation with people okay because it is it is super super important all right so let's make foot there foot care the new self-care all right let's implement this as you know as part of our our you know routine with athletes with clients with patients you know let's let's make this the conversation we have with anybody even if they come into you for for shoulder issues right how can we get that footwear conversation in there because even though it may not be playing a role directly in their shoulder pain you might be able to make them feel better overall as a person and feel a little bit um you know 
more healthy as a result. And that's a good thing. All right, so just a bunch of references. If you guys ever want those, you can reach out via email, which is right here. So if you ever want to reach me, um, Nick at proformptma.com or on Instagram, those of them right there. So Proform is our, our company. You can still reach me through that. Um, we try to do do some fun stuff on there. So um, I hope that was helpful for people. I didn't want it to sound like I was just bashing shoes. Um, they're important. They're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. But we can definitely, you know, do a better job of taking care of our feet. And it is, I believe, the secret to optimal recovery. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.